0: Hey, hey friends, this is Jessie Deshane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I have the wonderful Marcy Nevin on the podcast. I actually found Marcy on Instagram because my fiance told me I should start following you. I don't know if you even know that, Marcy. Um, <laughs> But since then, we've continued to connect on Instagram and we've actually had, we actually have lots in common, including our birth date, which I think is fun. Um, So I'm pumped to have my virtual friend here on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you
1: so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. And I actually had no idea that that's how you found me through Mr. Ben.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny. He was following you and he he was just like, you should follow Marcy. Like, I feel like you guys would get along and you would enjoy her content. And I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> so worked out. I appreciate it. And now here we are. Yeah, <laughs> here we are. Um, awesome. Okay. So let's dive in. Why don't you introduce yourself to the podcast and let us know a little bit about you and your background?
1: Okay. So I Marcy. I am from Northern California. And for the past 10 years, I have been an in-person personal trainer. So that is actually not my background. I have a journalism degree from the University of Oregon, go Ducks. And I went to college, well, originally I had wanted to become a nutritionist. And the schools that I have looked at, I didn't like the campuses. I didn't like the location. And I was getting a little bit frustrated because I said, all right, here I want to study nutrition. That's really what I'm passionate about. But I feel like these schools aren't a good fit. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So I ended up visiting the University of Oregon, and I fell in love with the campus. And I said, I have to go here. I'm gonna figure out whatever I need to do to make it work. And at the time, I considered myself a really good writer, and I knew that Oregon had an incredible journalism program. So I said, all right, I'm gonna blend both worlds. You know, what I'm interested in and I'm passionate about, which at the time was fitness and nutrition, and then I'm going to use my skill set of being a good writer and go ahead and get a journalism degree, thinking that at the time. I would end up writing for a fitness magazine. So that was my educational path. And I realized pretty soon into it that it's not what I was passionate about. Mm. I did not want to sit behind a desk. I did not want to work for somebody else. And yeah, that, that just was not what I was interested in. So I ended up graduating and I went, went into outside sales because so I said, mm. all right, I kind of want to work for myself. I want to create my own schedule. I want to make a lot of money, all of that. And I was terrible at it. (laughs) I hated it. Uh, and I actually got fired from my second sales job and I was thinking to myself, what am I going to do? And luckily I had a personal training certification that I had gotten in college because again, that was what I was passionate about. And I thought to myself, well, if I ever need to do something in between jobs, or if I have kids one day and I just want to work part time, it would be a really great thing to have in my back pocket. So Got certified, trained a few clients throughout college, and then realized when I had no work after I'd been fired from the sales job that that's what I was going to have to do, at least in the meantime. So 10 years later, and <laughs> I am still a trainer in person, and also at this point, I had an online fitness nutrition coaching business. So that's a little bit about me and how I got to where I am today.
0: Yeah, and you live in California, right? Yes, Northern California,
1: so I'm about 40 minutes east of San Francisco, mm-hmm. a little town called Danville. Are you from California? I am. Yeah. Born and raised, so I'm still yeah. living in the town that I grew up in. <laughs> the gym where I work is two minutes from my parents' house, so it's like I haven't escaped the little Danville bubble, but... <laughs> I think that we're actually going to be moving about two hours west of here to Sacramento, which is the capital of California. So that'll be interesting. And I'm kind of looking forward to a change of scenery, so to speak.
0: Yeah. So you are planning on moving to Sacramento. That was one of the many places on our list. (laughs) That's right. I forgot we had
1: that conversation. So that's the plan for right now. My boyfriend, who I've been with for four years at this point, A couple years after we had been dating, he got a job promotion that sent him to Sacramento, and I decided to stay back in Danville because that's where my business was, but we both really liked it when he was there. It's just, it's still a big city. They've got a lot going on, really good food, a lot of culture, but it's not so much of that crazy hustle and bustle of San Francisco. There's not as much traffic, so it's just a little more, I guess, off the beaten path, in a sense, but a little, like, laid back. Yeah. Yeah, and way more affordable than where we are now. So that is the plan in the next couple months. But like I said, if we end up there and you guys want a place to visit just to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Although, to be honest with you, we talked about this, too. I would really love to move to San Diego. Yeah. I do love San Diego. Amazing. So luckily, my best friend lives there, and I guess I can visit anytime I want. Yeah.
0: My best friend actually just moved there too. She um, moves around a lot. Her boyfriend is in the Marines. So uh, she actually went to grad school in South Carolina and then moved to Hawaii with him for the Marine Corps. So they were there for a few years and they just got restationed in San Diego. So so yeah, I'll be visiting there a little bit more too.
1: (laughs) Well, we should plan a trip to meet up at the same time.
0: Yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, that's exciting. California, love for sure. I love California. That's where we hope to end up at some point, whether that's in the next year or a little bit longer. But, but yeah, we love it there. It's just such a great place, especially for anyone really, but especially anyone trying to live a healthier lifestyle. I feel like it's just. There's so many more options. I feel like people are much more open to it than they are in the Midwest, at least where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Chicago is kind of its own bubble. Like people are a little bit more understanding just because it's such a big city, but um, it's still the Midwest. It's still <laughs> like, you know. Right. For Chicago sure. Now, mm-hmm.
1: California is definitely more progressive in sense. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Southern Cal, I mean, unfortunately for me, because it looks like I will be staying in Northern California, but Southern California is definitely a step ahead mm. just in terms of everything you have access to Yeah. in regards to like an unconventional healing modalities, yeah. right? So all of these like injection places for, you know, B12 shots or mm all of the natural markets and things like that. So yeah, Northern California doesn't have quite as much of that, I don't think, but mm-hmm. we're still many steps ahead of the majority of other states. So I am grateful for that for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what are the chronic illnesses that you are currently battling? I know that you have a couple and I'm sure people would be interested in hearing.
1: Well, more than a couple at this point. Point, Jess, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <Yeah. laughs> so I will back up about, gosh, 35, 17 years. I, and prior to that, I was a really healthy kid. My mom always told me that. I remember one year I got an award because I had perfect attendance. You know, I rarely <laughs> got sick. Unfortunately, I was a C section baby. You know, my mom fed me formula. Uh, I did have multiple sinus infections, ear infections, which means a lot of amoxicillin. So as good as that pink bubblegum medicine tasted, it was not good for my gut. So I think that I kind of started off on the wrong foot. And then, as I'm sure you know, I'm sure most of your listeners know, Autoimmune disease is a genetic condition, and so I had this perfect storm, it seems like, of factors that were going against me. So, Lee, it was my co- junior year of college, and I was feeling pretty great. You know, I was working out two hours a day, taking a full load of classes, you know, I was in a sorority, really like thriving as a college student. And, and doing well in school too. And I went on a houseboating trip to Lake Shasta and everything was great. And I came back and I was itching like crazy. Like my back itched, my scalp itched, and it was just so uncomfortable. And I was like, well, I haven't showered in five days because I have not be, maybe I'm just really dirty. So yeah. I take a shower, doesn't go away. I'm like itching myself to sleep. And I woke up the next day, totally broken out in this horrible red rash that looked like kind of a blend of chicken pox and poison ivy or poison oak. Whoa. And I was like, well, the kids who had gone to Shasta the week before, a lot of them had come back with poison oak, so Maybe that's what it is. Went to the health center. That's what it got diagnosed as. She gave me a cortisone cream. I started applying it and it just continued to spread. So I was like, this is not, that's not what's going on. So I waited it out a couple of weeks, and I came back here to the Bay Area, and I went to a dermatologist, and he diagnosed me with psoriasis. So that is an autoimmune condition. Got the biopsy for that, and it was confirmed. So I've basically been living with psoriasis since I was about 21. But it wasn't until the year after the diagnosis where things really started to go downhill. And I remember a week before I graduated or maybe a couple weeks before I graduated, I was at the gym, business as usual, starting my day with 45 minutes on the treadmill. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was like, this is really weird. It's never happened before. It was just this really intense tightness in my chest. And I tried to go to another machine. That didn't help. And I was kind of freaking out at this point. So anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks this pain has not gone away or like the tightness hasn't gone away. It was really hard to breathe. I was getting kind of freaked out about it. And I finally went to the emergency room. because I was like, I think that I'm dying. Like -hmm. I feel like I have a heart condition. What's going on with me. And of course, like most doctors do it's stress. You know, it makes sense. You're going to graduate from college in a couple of weeks. Your life is going to be kind of turned upside down, totally normal. I didn't really buy that, but I took the medication that they gave me anyways, and the symptoms kind of came and went for a couple of months, but that was really the start of just me not feeling well. And like we talked about before we started recording, I developed this nasty brain fog. It just Mm -hmm. felt like I was either drunk or on drugs, just mm-hmm. very loopy, cloudy, foggy thinking. Um, I was dizzy all the time, and yeah, it was so uncomfortable, so scary. So I spent the next probably four or five years going from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what's wrong with me, and. I started with the Western medicine approach and had pretty much every basic test in the book run. Mm-hmm. Everything came back normal. So they kept saying it's all in your head. It's stress. You're fine. But I did not believe that. So what really started me on the path to figure or to taking a different approach and going more the functional medicine path was I had come up with birth control and lost my period. So my period did not come back for quite a while after I was off the pill. I went to a reproductive endocrinologist to figure out what was going on. And she ran a blood test to look at my genetics and found out that I have NTHFR, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar with. I won't go into what that is, but it can cause a host of issues. And she sent me to work with somebody else, an actual nutritionist who lived in North Carolina at the time. And I started working with him to address the MTHFR. And then I started to develop all these other weird symptoms and a lot of things going on with my digestion. And he said, I'm going to refer you to somebody else in California. So you need to go see this guy. Little did I know it was a Lyme disease specialist. So Mm. this nutritionist based on my symptoms thought that I probably had Lyme disease. So I went to this guy, he did this whole intake and he's like, yeah, it seems to me like you probably have Lyme. And I was thinking to myself, Lyme disease, like, you know, I don't live in a wooded area. I'm not outside very often. How could this have happened? So we ended up running the tests. It was a 12-week blood culture test, so I had to wait for a really long time to figure out. It was week 11, and I have not heard anything back. And I was like, oh, good, I'm out of the woods. And literally the next day I did a call, and they said, yeah, it came back positive, so you have Lyme disease. And that was really, really discouraging, very scary, so anyway, I started to work with him one-on-one. He treated me for the Lyme, but as we started to do more digging, we came to realize, okay, you have gut issues, you've got a parasite, you have H. pylori, dysbiosis, adrenal insufficiency, mm-hmm. low thyroid, um, you name it. So at this point, you know, it was low thyroid, Lyme, and... The psoriasis were probably like my biggest issues, but then I was also struggling with the hormone problems as well. Went to another doctor. She diagnosed me with Hashimoto's and that's kind of where I am today. So, and who knows? I could possibly have her at this point because once you have one, you're very more likely to have another. And I don't know. I don't have the diagnosis, but who knows?
0: Yeah. So yeah it's just it's like this tumbling down the hill sometimes it feels like with all this stuff. It is, yeah, and then i my mindset around the whole
1: issue has not been very positive. It's yeah. positive in the sense that I do not label myself as a victim, and I'm sure you have a you know a presence on social media. And this is actually I saw or excuse me, something that I saw you write about recently, which I really respected. And the reason why you created this podcast is because I don't know about you, but I followed a lot of chronic illness pages. Mm-hmm. And you go to the profile and it's like chronic illness warrior, Hashimoto's fighter. And I did not want to identify myself as someone with autoimmune disease. Like, yes, I have it, but I do not want that to be my identity. And I feel like the more you tell yourself you have an autoimmune disease, the more you really identify it or identify with it, mm-hmm. the more it's going to show up, the more you're almost going to think think your way into not feeling well. Yes. So I've always tried to live my life with this belief that yes, I have these issues, but they don't define me. They're not going to change how I live my life or anything like that. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I do still have it and it's something that I have to deal with.
0: Yeah. That can definitely be something that is difficult to separate. That's something that personally I've been dealing with. I have this podcast. I absolutely love it. And I have um, like my little Facebook community on Facebook, but sometimes I don't want to come right out and be like, I have Hashimoto's like, I want to be like, these are other things about me. These are, you know, it can be all encompassing sometimes. So I think that it's important to, to remember that a separation, you know, like, and like you're saying too, for me, the more that I sit and think about it or, um, focus all of my content on Hashimoto's or on how I'm feeling, um, the worse I feel sometimes Mm -hmm. because I'm like. Oh, I'm tired again today. Like, it's probably my Hashimoto's flaring instead of like, no, you just have slept like shit the last two nights. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's so true. And that's, I think I kind of went off on a tangent there, like we were saying, oh, brain fog. <laughs> but yeah, no, I realized that the more I, the more positive my mindset and the more that I say to myself, okay, you're not sick. Not that I don't have these issues, but that yeah. they are not affecting me like I think that they will. Because what I, I know where I was going with that. I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac, or at least mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Google was my best friend and I diagnosed myself with pretty much every disease under the sun, like you name <laughs> it, I had it and I was yeah. dying. Yeah. Um, so I think at the lowest point, I was convinced that I had MS, which was very scary. <laughs> and I went to, oh, I went to my general practitioner and she had been running lab work and some things were coming back a little weird, like high liver enzymes, this and that. So I gone to her one year and then I went back because the next year, cause I still wasn't feeling well. And she ran some lab work and I guess my platelet count was low. And she's like, yeah. Um, I think that you're going to want to go see a hematologist because this could turn into lymphoma. And I was like, oh my gosh. she's like, yeah, I saw it last year, but I didn't really want to, you know, do anything with it. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> so she sent me to this hematologist and the hematologist ran all of these tests. And I was telling her, I was like, I think I have MS. I have all the symptoms. And she's like, no, my dear, <laughs> like you're fine. Yeah. So hearing definitely made me feel better. But knowing that like i said earlier when you have one you're more likely to develop more mm-hmm. especially if you aren't getting things under control you aren't managing or addressing your root cause that has always been something that's been really scary for me is okay i can manage the hashimotos and the the psoriasis but what if i get lupus what if i get ms you know something that is really debilitating and affects the way that I like to live my life, you know?
0: So what are some ways that you do keep yourself healthy mindset and then just things that you do for yourself? I know like with your business, you are very big into fitness. So, so things like that, what kind of keeps you healthy? Well, let me preface it by saying this.
1: I believe Believe that one of my root causes is stress mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. because I didn't go into this in my intro, but I definitely had maybe not a full blown eating disorder, but mm-hmm. definitely disordered eating habits. Yeah, probably starting in high school. So I remember being as young as 12 years old and hating the way that my body looked, feeling like I looked different from all my friends, and starting to exercise at that young of an age. And by the time I was 15, I was working out in the gym. I was getting up before my high school classes to go to the gym with my mom. I got a boyfriend in high school. He and I would go to the gym all the time. Um, I started to diet. I went on Weight Watchers. And I lost weight. I think that I was healthy at that point. Mm -hmm. But once I got to college, I definitely developed disordered eating habits and probably what you could say an exercise addiction, right? So not only was I very stressed out being in school and having that perfectionist mentality, um, but I also was very dissatisfied with how I looked and... I think dealing with low self-worth issues and the way that I controlled that was to try to manipulate the way that I looked. So I was getting up every morning before school, doing cardio for 45 minutes to an hour, coming back at night, lifting weights and eating very low calories. I pretty much lived on diet Coke, coffee, sugar-free gum, sugar-free Jello, egg beaters. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it's not butter and like – some broccoli, <laughs> you know? So yes. thinking that it was healthy because it was low calorie, it was sugar yes. free, but definitely not nutrient dense. So mm-hmm. I think that really set the stage to, again, you know, I took antibiotics. I was born via C-section, but then I think that I had a lot of insults to my gut mm-hmm. during my college years. And now having all this really extensive testing that I've had done and looking at my genetics and all that, it shows that I am severely gluten intolerant. So Mm. I went gluten free about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. But just to know that for the first 31 years of my life, I was eating something that was so bad for me is really, you know, it's scary. So anyway, all that being said, like yes, fitness is a really big part of my life, but for so long I used that to control the way I looked. Yeah. I used it as a form of punishment. It was not done in a healthy way. Yeah. And when you do have an autoimmune disease, little did I know until probably, you know, a couple years ago, that can really make matters worse. If you're pushing your body to the point where it can't recover, mm-hmm. then you're going to do more harm than good. Yeah. So Going back to what I was saying about never wanting to identify as someone who is chronically ill, I continue to push harder and harder and harder. And I really think that my body eventually began to shut down, um, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't really seeing the signs. So now I've had to considerably back off on of my training. I still lift weights a couple times a week, like three times a week. Walking is... Basically, my main form of exercise at this point, I love Mm -hmm. to go for a walk. I try to walk at least 10,000 steps a day. Not only is getting out into nature, I mean, good for your fitness, but it is such a source of stress relief for me. And that is when I feel my best. So lifting weights, walking, but also really being careful with my diet and what I eat. So I actually went on the paleo autoimmune protocol about six years ago, Mm -hmm. which for your listeners who don't know is probably one of the strictest diets that you can be on. So it eliminates gluten, dairy, eggs, grains, nightshades, chocolate, coffee, alcohol, trying to think if there's anything else that might be it. And I've basically been on that for almost six years. So yeah, um, really intense. But I think that for anyone who's dealing with a chronic illness, at least eliminating gluten and dairy, because those are very inflammatory and then trying to figure out, you know, what your body tolerates
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, aside from that. So being really careful with my nutrition and then at this point it's all about stress management. I think that that is so the overlooked component, you know, self-care, making sure that you're taking time for yourself, you're setting boundaries, you are prioritizing your rest and your recovery because if you don't, it's only going to make things worse, you know, and then really addressing the mindset component too. And Starting to see myself not as a victim and why did this happen to me, but why did this disease happen for me? Mm -hmm. What can I learn from it? And how can I help others so that they don't end up in the same spot that I am? And that's at this point what I'm really trying to use my platform for. If you go onto my Instagram page, I would say 90% of my infographics say something about sleep (laughs) managers, stress management, Mm -hmm. and getting enough sleep you know, and eating a nutrient dense diet and walking and and all
0: of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Every single person that I've talked to on this podcast is like, yeah, diet is important. Um, Some form of movement is important. Be out in nature. It's important, but you need to work on your own mind. Otherwise (laughs) it's just all going to come back. And it's so true. Like like even for me with diet, I struggle. I'm, I've been gluten-free for about, um, oh, about a year and a half now, and it's definitely helped so much. Dairy is a struggle for me. Even though I don't really like dairy, it just like trickles into things very easily that I do mm-hmm. like. So that has been kind of what I've been focusing on getting rid of now is dairy. Um, I also need to pull back on grains because they cause inflammation in my body. But, um, but yeah, it's just crazy. Like how all these things kind of come into, into your life, into your healing and the fitness thing I had for me personally was difficult. I got very into fitness and I, I worked out for like, and this was after I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. I didn't know it was Hashimoto's yet, but Um, I was really overweight and I didn't want to be anymore. So I went crazy into fitness. I bought a program from someone on Instagram, followed it to a T, even though it was way too much for me. And um, I was doing like really low calorie macro diet, but I was like, at that time I was not gluten free. So I was eating within my macros, but like every night I would have like, protein powder ice cream with like cereal and like to get in all of my, the rest of my macros and stuff. And I was just like every day I was at my smallest weight and I was still bloated. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> well, yeah, because yep. you're eating cereal at 9 PM like Reese's puffs um, and you're gluten intolerant. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> like,
1: Well, right. That's the thing. And that's what's so hard is like, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, I am, a, I don't have celiac, but mm-hmm. I had a very extensive blood test done that showed you are very gluten intolerant mm-hmm. and any gluten that you're exposed to is really going to impact your gut and lead to inflammation. But again, I didn't know that for the first 31 years of my life. And like you too, I was doing the whole throw diet, you know, and, and eating I mean, drinking whey protein shakes and eating cereal and all that. Yeah. Cause it fit my macros. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, and I looked like I was nine months pregnant because I was <laughs> so bloated. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I would say that for anyone who is dealing with any type of chronic inflammation, chronic illness, removing the gluten first and foremost is going to be the best step. You know, dairy too, it would be very beneficial, um, but it's interesting because I was telling you before we started recording, I am now undergoing this very intense healing protocol because mm-hmm. I did come to find out that my gut is a mess, yeah. and even though I've been doing that for oof, I don't even know how long on my gut health it's just not really improving. You know, I had the parasites and the H. pylori and I thought that I eradicated those. I worked on the bacterial composition, but again, I think that stress is what makes everything come to or come undone for me. And too much stress can change the composition of the bacteria in your gut and Mm -hmm. can make it go from, you know, being beneficial to being, um, you know, like creating extreme dysbiosis, which is where I am right now. So I've got all this biofilm that I have to get rid of and infections and things like that. Um, and I was telling the guy who's helping me because he put me on a very, rest- not a really restrictive, but specific meal plan. Mm-hmm. It's low histamine because I apparently do not do all of histamines. And before this, I had a very high histamine diet and I was saying to him, I said, I'm looking at this diet and there's eggs on there, and I haven't eaten eggs in six years. And I have to tell you, I'm really, really scared to eat eggs. And he's yeah. like, "Honey, like you're going to react to anything you eat at this point because your gut health is so messed up. So don't worry about the eggs; they're the least of your concerns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but that's the problem too. Is I think a lot of people try to do the food tests, and if your gut is leaky, it's going to show that you're reacting to everything. Yeah, you know, so just kind of trying to figure out as best you can what feels good and what not, what doesn't feel good. And really having that awareness to pay attention to your symptoms and try to pinpoint what foods might be causing you issues.
0: Mm-hmm. And understand too, that that might change at times, you know, totally. like some people can be um, can have struggles with certain foods for a certain amount of time. And then once they, like you're saying, once they heal that leaky gut, um, it's something that they can bring back in their diet. Probably not dairy mm-hmm. or gluten, um, right? <laughs> but, right. You no, know, like nightshades or different things like that. Eggs, things that you might be mm-hmm. intolerant to, could come back into your life once you have spent some time kind of healing everything. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it doesn't always mean that it'll be gone forever. Um, it's kind of just having that mindset of like, like, I want this. I want to have this now instead of thinking of like how much harm it's causing you and the different things that it's changing in your life for the better. Like for me, I like, I don't even, I'm not like a bread girl. That wasn't, it really wasn't that, that difficult to cut out besides the things that it was hidden in, but which is everything by the way, but (laughs) yeah, it was just like, I felt so much better that it was, it was totally worth it. And I would have done it years ago had I known that it would make me feel that way.
1: Exactly. And you really did nail it when you said that once you do the healing, you should be able to eat those foods again. Mm -hmm. Not to say that you can't have a sensitivity to certain foods and your gut not be leaky. Yeah. um, And you're not dealing, you know, everyone can have foods that don't work for them. And one of the things i love to say is you know the diet that works for you right now literally may not work for you tomorrow mm-hmm. so it's constantly just paying attention to the signals that your body is sending you and i loved what you said about you know focusing on what lies ahead not not trying to or not worrying about what you have to give up in the moment. And trust me, it's hard. I have a boyfriend who is a 250 pound power lifter who eats whatever the hell he wants, <laughs> like airheads in bed every night and having dogs yeah. ice cream and cereal and all these things that I would love to eat, but I can't. And it's like, sh- could I cheat? Sure. But what is that going to do? And I would much rather delay that instant gratification and, work on healing my body and feeling good for the long term. So I think that's another really important thing to consider is having a really strong why. And it's what I talk to with my fitness clients as well, even if they don't struggle with health issues is, okay, why do you want to lose the weight? Well, I want to be more confident. Okay. Well, why do you want to be more confident? And like, you know, peeling back the onion and really getting to why you are, this, and I will be perfectly honest with you, I mentioned this in our email correspondence when you asked me what I wanted to touch on, and I was married previously, and I think that I was so neurotic and such a hypochondriac about my health, like always online, always going down the rabbit hole, always worrying about it, and this was when I was really trying to figure out what was going on. I was doing this and I think it drove my husband crazy. Mm. He very supportive in the beginning. He always acted supportive mm. and he never said like, Oh, this is so hard on me. And you know, you're preventing me from living my life and this and that. Like we still think like I worked a full time job. We went on vacations. We went to the gym all the time. Like I lived a very normal active lifestyle, but I think that if I put myself in his shoes, mm-hmm. it is very draining to be around someone who is negative and is complaining and is always worrying about me or is always, you know, worrying in general. And he came home one day and out of the blue was like, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Wow. And I said, excuse me. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I am 30 years old. It's time for me to be selfish because I spent the last couple of years being very selfless and I don't want to have to take care of somebody the rest of my life. And that was a huge wake up call. I mean, it was devastating to hear Mm -hmm. because immediately I thought, Oh my gosh, no one's ever going to love me. I'm going to die alone. I'm going to be sick and be alone. Um, but I, I get it. And so now my why is I want to take care of myself so that No one has to take care of me if that's Mm -hmm. the case, you know, and luckily I have a boyfriend who is super supportive, but I won't lie and say that has stayed with me. And it's something that I still think about to this day. Like, even though he is very supportive, I always wonder, okay, you know, what if, like, what if he gets sick of this, even though I try to remain really positive positive it's still something that impacts my life on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that, that's hard. So my why at this point is I don't want someone to have to take care of me. And yeah. I don't know what can happen in the future. Like anything can happen. But at least I know that I've done everything that I can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you've been your own advocate and you've, you've done what you could do to try to heal in whatever way as possible for you. Mhm.
1: Yeah, and you have to be your own advocate. You absolutely mm-hmm. do because the majority of people when they try to get answers, they start with the western medicine approach and so if I could give the listeners any piece of advice, it would be that you have to be an advocate for your own health because if you're at the point where you don't know what's going on, you know, you realize that you're not feeling well, but you still don't have the answers or maybe you know that you do have an autoimmune disease or some other type of chronic illness, but you're not making progress, you're not feeling any better, Mm -hmm. then you definitely deserve to find the answers so that you can feel your best and really live your life to the fullest. So I would stop going to the conventional medicine doctors because in my experience, unless someone is very forward thinking, they're just gonna give you the runaround, say that it's stress and send you on your way, most likely with some sort of prescription. And I can say from experience that is not getting to the root of the issue. So it really comes down to just continuing to search until you find someone who is going to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. And I feel lucky that I have found those people who believe me, who run the right tests and who try to get to the bottom of what my issue is because Mm -hmm. we all have something different, you know, a different root cause. And until you figure out what that is, you're just going to keep running around in circles. So one of my favorite quotes is, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And Mm -hmm. I know that has been very true in my own life. And so I have been very fortunate over the years that I have come across some wonderful practitioners and healers. But I will say this, I don't think that... Deep down, I was truly ready to heal. And there, because I would make some progress, but I wouldn't really get over that hump. And again, going back to the stress, I had so many issues from my past that I needed to work through that
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't even think I had the awareness of. And so, limiting beliefs, low self worth, you know, past trauma, like my husband leaving me. All of these things that had a really big mental and emotional impact, mm-hmm. and that too is a huge component of chronic illness. Like, I really, really believe that. Mm-hmm. So, now that I have done all of this mindset work, you know, emotional healing, spiritual work, that kind of stuff, I feel like I am in a much better mental place to do the healing that I need to do on a internal level. So I found this really great practitioner who is setting me up on a strict protocol. It's going to be intense, but I have finally given myself permission to rest like I need to, to not drive myself into the ground with exercise because I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to prove my worth. I'm trying to change my body. Like, That's where I was for so long. And that's why I think that I developed this condition. I was so hard on myself, you know, Mm -hmm. mentally and physically, and it really took a toll. So now that that stuff has been dealt with, I can really work on doing the healing at a deeper level. So I don't think it's just about finding, you know, the best functional medicine doctor. It's finding a team of people. So spiritual healers, you know, whether that's a therapist or a Reiki practitioner. I recently did that. And obviously the doctors are great, but yeah, there are a lot of things that go into healing. That's more than just supplements and diet and lifestyle, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you like going to Reiki? I've heard good things. I did. It was really fascinating. So I actually did it
1: in San Diego when I was down there uh, at the end of March. And are you familiar with Christina Rice? Yes. Yep. So yeah, I've been following her for a couple of years, basically, because she's also in the paleo sphere, so to speak. And she's dealt with chronic illnesses herself as well. So when I heard that she was doing Reiki and that she had moved down to San Diego, I was like, oh, I want to go try a session from her because I had never done it and I've always been really interested. So I randomly just reached out to her and I said, Hey, I know this is last minute, but I'm in town. Would you have time for a session? And she did. And it was, it was really fascinating. Like the things that she said were spot on. Yeah. And I would love to do it again, but it definitely helps clear that negative energy and all of those block chakras that we have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: that's It's you always know? so interesting, like the different modalities and things that you can use in your healing. And like, you know, some parts of it might not work for you. Some parts of it you might not be comfortable with yet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then like, it's interesting. My fiance it deals with some illnesses as well. And he, I mean, when I first met him, he used to always be like, You are, I love you, but you are like a unicorn. Sometimes you're just like way up in your head. And I remember the first crystal shop I took him to, he thought it was crazy. But like now he is into more of these like different healing modalities because he started going through it and had to, you know, like. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, like different things that he's done and mindset work that he's done. And um, he's totally changed the way that he. Looks at food and spirituality, and like we we just bought an in a portable infrared sauna, and like all I saw God. that yeah I'm so jealous, yeah so <laughs> so yeah, like all these things um he's it's it's just crazy, like sometimes something might seem a little bit different to you, or maybe it's not something that you're comfortable with right now, but that's okay, and it's cool that for some people it does work, or for some people it does it does like make them understand their healing a little bit more. I think that it's cool that there's so many different ways that you can you can add that to your life.
1: Absolutely. But you gotta figure out the emotional stuff first. Yeah. Yeah. I think you get rid of that or you deal with that and everything else kind of falls into place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know? Are there like daily routines or rituals that you do that kind of, I know stress, like you said, root cause, big issue for you. Are there things that you do daily? I know you said you like to walk. So that's important. I mean, I meditate in the morning. I do. I'm kind of into visualization these
1: days. So I love insight timer. It's by far my favorite meditation app. Mm. And I do a 10 minute visualization meditation first thing in the morning and that really focuses on what do I want my life to look like so visualizing my future self and trying to get into the feelings of someone who is healthy who is energetic who is strong who has the things that I would like to have in the future and what would healed healthy Marcy look like Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. It's almost type. I mean, it is a manifestation tool, so to speak. So if you want something, you know, rather than trying to do all the things to achieve it, you take the first step in getting there by, by getting into those feelings before they've actually manifested into reality, if that makes sense. Yeah. So doing that, um, I journal occasionally. I'm not super consistent with it. Mm-hmm. I know that I could be better and it's something that mm-hmm. I want to improve on, but you know, it's something that I do as well. And, but yeah, walking is really like my favorite form of meditation, I would say, and I can walk for hours at a time and just like in nature, um, so those are my, I would call them like my anchor activities yeah. right now. I'm not really allowed to weight train as much. Mm. I'm only allowed to do it two times per week, but before that was a huge part of my life and spending time with my dog. <laughs> so yeah. just any, like anything that brings you joy is so important, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I and then to- gra- oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Really
1: quick. Gratitude as well. I mean, that is a gratitude. a game changer, but it really is because yeah. when you are in a state of gratitude and in the present moment, you literally like cannot be in feelings of upset or, you know, being down, whatever that may be.
0: Yeah. I remember starting a gratitude practice and um, it's something that I want to be better at when you're in a state of like, especially with illness or a flare or something, and you're like, I didn't have anything good happen today. It was like, Mm -hmm. it's starting as small as like, I'm happy that I woke up. I'm grateful that there is sun outside today. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that I got to sit on the couch with my dog for five minutes. Like, Mm -hmm. I think for some people, especially when you're in this really negative pattern. um, It's really hard to start a gratitude practice or or whatever. And it, because you're thinking too much, you're like, well, I'm not grateful for my job. I'm not grateful for this. And it's like, okay, I get that. But like, are you grateful for the, the person that you talk to on the way to work? Are you grateful for your dog that calms you down when you come home from work? Just anything, like I remember when I first started almost every night my gratitude would be like my dog. Oh, I live by a fire department. <laughs> uh, my gratitude list would be like my dog. I'm grateful that I woke up and I'm grateful that I was able to walk to work today. And then it eventually became different things. And it was like, Oh, I'm grateful that this happened. I'm grateful that I'm able to do this. And because you're just thinking in a more positive state of mind. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: The dogs on my list pretty much every day too, for sure. (laughs) But, but even, you know, reframing the things that we may be frustrated with in the moment. So for me, my full-time job as an in-person trainer, it's kind of exhausting. I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm burnt out. I'm ready for a change. It's like, gosh, like I really don't want to be doing this anymore. And I feel like it's affecting my health, but Hey, grateful for these clients who some of them have been with me for 10 years. Yeah. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to pay for this practitioner and buy these supplements, you know? So even trying to be grateful for the things that we may not feel grateful for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just trying to twist it a little bit. Find something. There's gotta be something. Even I mean, my last job I hated. I would cry every day on the way there, my boss was awful to me. But it was the exact same thing as what you're saying. I'd be like, but I'm grateful that I have a job and I'm able to write for my blog because I love it, because I am paid by this job. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that Um, I can pay for this beautiful apartment that I live in because of this job. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to find something and just, because it just switches something in your mind when you think positively instead of negatively, it's crazy. It'll make, like, it might make you feel better physically, mentally, like the way that you talk to people, the way maybe you won't hate your job as much because you get (laughs) right. Like,
1: right. Yeah, absolutely. So the reframe is really powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to tell the listeners tonight? You know, if I could sum
1: sum it up with anything, it would be, you know, wherever you are right now, however down you might be feeling, if you really are frustrated with where you are in your life, with your health just remember that it can always get better. Mm-hmm. And if you just stay positive and keep fighting, you know, keep being your biggest advocate, keep looking for the people who are going to support you, do the things that make you feel good, that bring joy to your life, all of that. And you, you will get better. So yeah. I know that sometimes it doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but mm-hmm. From my experience, there definitely is.
0: Yeah. And you can still
1: live a really fulfilling life regardless of what your health circumstances might be. But it all comes down to your mindset and the way that you view it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I remember what I couldn't remember before. It was like you bringing what has your illness like your illness is bringing this onto yourself what good things has it brought out in your life right like for me totally podcast the people like connecting with people like you connecting Mm -hmm. like being able to understand my fiance's illness a little bit better all finding out i was gluten intolerant like all these things good things came out of finding out that i had an autoimmune disease absolutely Mm-hmm. That is so true.
1: Yeah, I think that my sense of purpose came from my illness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, I knew it would come back right at the end. Good. <laughs> it did.
1: That's all that matters.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for
1: being on. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. It was a lovely talk.
0: Good. Good. I'm glad.